Welcome to Care Talk, your happy home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentrics. Hey, John, it's episode number 100, and I think we should talk a little bit about trends. You know, you're, you're not trending, and I'm not trending, but let's talk about what is trending. One thing is trending is about people are being vaccinated, and the so-called skeptics are coming around. What do you think of that? I think there's almost too much news about what's not going right. And the reality, David, is that the number of people being vaccinated is going up because the president didn't hit his goal of getting 70% of the country vaccinated by July shouldn't distract from the fact that incrementally as the as the as the world's going back to work uh, a lot more of the people who are going to work are getting vaccinated. John what I understood I saw a recent uh, survey and it was saying that you know people who are hesitant before are just waiting they say well first of all they say you know millions of people have been millions of people have been vaccinated and they seem to be doing okay. They're hearing from people that are pro vaccine notably physicians their own physicians tend to be very pro vaccine friends and relatives. And they're also finding out that, hey, if I'm not vaccinated, I, you know, I, maybe I still don't have to wear a mask, but there are some other things I might miss out on. Like one person mentioned, well, they couldn't go on a cruise unless they were vaccinated. And guess what? Getting, going on the cruise is more important than whatever hesitancy they may have had. Well, I think, you know, you, you're reading those newspaper surveys as opposed to doing your own thinking. I mean, it was pretty clear, David, that there was always going to be a long tail. The, the, the reality of a lot of working class people is they're working one or two jobs. Getting a vaccine is kind of complicated, but it shouldn't surprise people that, that it's going to take time to, to deliver a couple hundred million vaccinations to people. And there's, there is skepticism out there and disinformation, but more people are getting vaccinated every day. And that, I think, is a, a cause for celebration, David. Well, John, you know, episode 100, let's let's kind of look to the future. And I, I kind of like that because you can put your long tail between your legs in shame when your predictions come out you to be- You can just make stuff up. <laughs> what do you mean make it up? You know, you accuse me of reading the newspaper. Oh my God. I will admit I still, I'm one of those guys that actually receives the newspaper on the doorstep. You uh, have your own opinions, David, your own opinions. I, I have my own opinion after I read the op-ed page, John. All right, listen, let's talk about, let's talk about the future. Now I know for you, the future is sort of like, you know, what am I having for lunch? But so let's start easy. Let's start with like the next few years and then let's look, let's look further ahead. What do you, what do you say? So in the near term, let's say, you know, next few years, do you think there's going to be like just incremental change in healthcare? Or are we going to see more radical change? We're, the, we're in a period of radical disruption, David. You're going to see a, a reimagining of what can happen with drugs and biology as, as cancer increasingly becomes a, a chronic condition. You're going to see, I think, a, the, the, the structural shifts in value-based care. And David, we're going to finally start being able to manage the prices of the drugs that are manufactured by your friends in pharma. I think, I think we're, we're in for some really radical changes in the next five years. I don't think so, John. I think it's going to be just more, sort of like more of the same, only a little different. So, you know, I think on drug pricing, big talk, you know, talk the talk, but you don't know, walk the walk or whatever it is that's happening isn't going to be much. I think, you know, you saw, I was thinking before, well, maybe this new biogen drug for Alzheimer's here, maybe that'll tell people, you know, forget it. You know, we're going to have to cut prices. Eh, I think there's still going to be plenty of uh, price increases. Value-based care, you know, you talk about these two-sided risk. I think what happens is, you know, people love the idea of uh, upside. So get upside. The minute you tell them, no, we want you to take downside too, say, see you later. Uh, this program isn't really for me. And I think, John, here's another one, the shift to the home that you love talking about. I think, you know what? 
It's the same way that people were ordering out. Now they're going back to the restaurants. They're going to go back to the hospital too. Look, first of all, David, that shift to the home is permanent. There's nobody who's sick or vulnerable who will ever forget the fact that they didn't have to put themselves at personal risk and could actually get a lot of care delivered virtually. We're in the early innings of what can be delivered virtually and in the home. That's going to radically expand, but we've permanently shifted the way people think about virtual care. Uh, at, at a state and, and, and health plan level, there's a lot of skepticism about telehealth, but at one of the few sort of explosions of bipartisan support for change was a bill that Senator Brian Chatz from Hawaii came in to permanently lock in protections to provide access to telehealth for Medicare. It was a bipartisan support. Even some of your friends supported it. And on drug pricing, there's just no way we can afford the path we're on. There's no way we can afford annual drug increases in simple, almost commodity chemical compounds. You're going to see these great new drugs come out. But at some point, uh, the feds are going to say, as more and more people, 10,000 people turning Medicare eligible every day, more and more people covered by Medicaid, uh, government payers representing 51 cents out of every healthcare dollar. The brakes are going to be put on, David. So you wait. Uh, and I don't, it, doesn't, it, won't, it won't quash innovation. It'll just slow down the vacuum cleaner maybe shut it down that sucks all the costs out of the system and shifts it into the pockets of the of the corporate chieftains in pharma. Well, John, I'll, I'll stick with the dog analogy and dog metaphor here and I'll throw you a bone, okay? Here's my bone for you. So I think that there's a possibility of more radical change in the next couple of years on a couple of topics. One has to do with just kind of the disaster from COVID and maybe a new pandemic and also climate change. You see climate change with this extreme heat you're, you're, and you're drought. Not, you're not, you're not, you're not going to give ground on the fact that you're going to, you're wrong on drug pricing. Um, you are wrong on the shift to the home. There will be more two-sided risk from both the federal government and the private sector. That will be kind of part of the next phase. And you'll see some of the most successful medical groups and hospitals will be making money um, with fully capitated or fully what one side up the two sided risk that you're referring to it obviously is that you would make keep all the money if you if you hit the budget and you would lose money if you don't hit the budget and it's the risk sharing that's going to get pushed down but you're wrong on those three and so now you're going to slither <laughs> over to uh, a different topic. I'm giving you a I'm giving no John so I think you said it was some guy from Hawaii that likes to be at home. Well, no kidding. Have you ever been to somebody's house in Hawaii? It's pretty awesome. No wonder they don't want to go to the hospital. They want to go to the luau and look out at the ocean. You know, so I think fine. But my other I was getting another another one, John. Another reason for radical change is uh abortion, John. And it's going to become effectively outlawed in most parts of the country. That's what I think could happen over the next 2-3 years. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen in most parts of the country. I think you're going to have another big red state, blue state divide on that. Again, don't, don't, don't overwork your points here, David. There, there's some radical, really, restructuring of any access or, 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 or right to choose in a number of red states. And, and as the Republicans become more defined by the extremes, uh, that I think you'll see that. But I think you'll see... It'll, it'll, we, you know, unfortunately, from my perspective, it will go back to where we were many years ago, where it was a state level decision as uh, the, the, the access to that choice is reduced in red states. But you don't need to just kind of overstate things just because you lost on the first three. John, I got another tactic here. 
which is, let's not talk about five years. Let's talk about 50 years. Pick your number, you know, somewhere down the pike. Suppose you don't think anything's going to happen then. Oh, no. There I'm a radical, John. Oh, so now you're moving to my position. So tell me what happens in 50 years, David. Well, in 50 years, John, I will be over 100. And I'm going to be probably a cyborg at that point. You'll be augmented reality. You'll be <laughs> augmented, David Williams. We'll be um, able to remember. Maybe people talk about cyborgs, but look, we we replace shoulders, um, we replace knees. Um, we have uh, recently, through some some implants, are looking to take see whether we can leverage folks' uh, systems to who are par- paralyzed to move some of their 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 um, their limbs. Um, We've already, we already regularly in baseball do a Tommy John, which is a radical resection of the, the, the way you were genetically uh, and anatomically set up to throw a baseball. Um, and we have a number of performance enhancing drugs uh, that people use for mental clarity. David, I think you're going to be a very clear thinking, uh, mechanically supported, uh, uh, you know, perhaps even enhanced Nice. A version of your old self. Well, John, I was going to say, I, I hope I'm not just don't become like a figment of your imagination where you down my, download my brain for 99 cents on the App Store and, uh, you know, just tuck it in somewhere onto your whatever device is being used inside of your head. Wouldn't require much, 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 much storage. Yeah, exactly. I'll get a cheap one. So, it, you know, and they say, um, you know, there's, there's life expectancy and there's lifespan. So people have been able to live you know, since biblical days until like 115, 120. But most people didn't live more than 20 or 30 years. You're going to kind of do the Old Testament thing for- Even the know, New Testament, John. Is that, is that your- In the Old Testament, some people live to like almost a thousand. But uh, but let's just, let's, you know, let's just like crank it back down and just say 120, you know. And pe- But the average person is living more like into their 70s now. It could definitely get up to the 90s without doing too much more. How strange is it, David, that we don't treat aging as a chronic condition? You know, the fastest growing population we've got in the U.S. is, from a demographic perspective, is that, that those folks who are living beyond 100. And we're only now starting to really study in detail what it would take um, to live a longer life and increase your lifespan, which is a, a, a measure of not just time, but health. And yeah, I think what you're going to see in the next few years is, is places like the National Institute of Health and academic institutions, you're starting to see it in the private sector, are really going to treat aging as not something we can solve, we, we, you and your brain downloaded to your iPhone, but something that we can extend lifespan because we study it as a cluster of things that are about physical decline. And in the same way that we can extend life in a healthy way beyond what you know the average European the life that they had in 1850, by 1950, you've added about 30 or 40 years to the lifespan. Um, you're going to see, I think, that 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 same increase, but it's going to be based on science, David. You know those those scientists that you don't like to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, the thing is, John, if people are still going to retire at age 65, you won't have to change the Medicare age to have Medicare for all. If people are going to go from having it for an average of 10 years to let's say. 35 years or maybe 50 years if they live that long. Well, if we can actually kind of crack some of these chronic diseases like diabetes, heart disease, COPD, by the combination of kind of public health and some of the augmented things that, that, that you were talking about, I think you're going to see lifespan and, long- and, and, and age increase. 
but we have to we have to change our point of view here and 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 look at um, uh, aging itself uh, and the illnesses associated with it as a chronic condition um, that we should be able to mitigate and improve with a combination of uh, of, of drugs, diet, and behavior. So, John, instead of you know, beyond, if we if we think beyond just lengthening your own miserable life as it is now, what superpower would you like to add? What augmentation? you know, that we can talk about on the show, would you, uh, would, would you, would you be stepping up for first? Well, I think that the thing that, that, that I, that I'd like to see is for us to really dial up the way we think about maintaining people's, uh, internal health and their musculature. I mean, the, the, the reality is that depending on diet behavior and drugs, you know, you could be really damaging, uh, your insides. And I think we haven't cracked all the public health opportunities there, although we have, in smoking, which is directly tied to increasing lifespan and life and, and, and longevity. Um, but I think if we could find a way to slow the physical decline of people so they would enjoy their life more, uh, that's a superpower I'd like, not just for me, for but for but for a lot of aging folks, because we, if we could, we've got a lot of people with active brains and inactive bodies. If we could, if we could kind of slow that, and that you'd really have a radical increase in lifespan. I, and I think honestly, you know, more people working and enjoying productive lives for longer. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to be a bit more ambitious, John. I'd like to have like super hearing, like remember that book, Horton Hears a Who? Yeah. Horton Hears a Who. I think that's probably Dr. Seuss. I don't remember whether we're allowed to talk about that anymore or not, but uh, if I would like to have like super, super acuity of my hearing and be able to tune out stuff. So like I could go to a concert without actually having to go there, but I could like hear live music, like wherever it might be in the world, I could just sort of point my ear at it and I, I could hear, you know, somebody playing in London or something you've like got, that. You've got, you've got, you've got a lot of that technology that's starting in some of the more advanced hearing aid stuff. But what's, what's problematic is we don't study it. We don't study the positive potential impacts of growth hormone and steroids and some of these augmentations. We tend to look at health, health and health enhancements outside of pro sports as, as something that's either out there banned or limited. Um, I think if we were to expand our view of what represents uh, not just setting illness, but how to promote health, we might find that some of the technology we're, uses, we're using today for people with, um, um, with problems with hearing could help you augment your, your desire and interest in hearing more live music even if you don't want to be around the people you'd be at live music with, um, we, we really have to change the way we look at, um, at at health and illness. I mean, illness for sure needs a lot of attention, but but health needs a heck of a lot more promotion. And we haven't taken this wonderful medical industrial complex and really aimed it at that. Instead, we when you talk about things like steroids or human growth hormone or some of the enhancements. Uh, we ban it and don't study. John, you're, John, you're dancing. You're dancing around the Viagra, which I thought you had studied quite extensively. Well, talk talk about a drug that's changed behavior uh, and extended life, the enjoyment of lifespan. I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought up your your favorite drug, and I, I think that it's uh it's, just, it's probably the most successful launch ever. Um, but it's a great example of a, a drug that has uh, enhanced the lives of uh, of millions. So, John, the uh, you know, biological revolution, uh, which you touch on a little bit, I think we really could have some amazing possibilities that we haven't thought of. One, though, is about kind of the merging eventually of sort of psych- psychiatry with physical health. There's been a huge, you know, issues with behavioral health, and you see big linkages or many people that have 
a physical health issue also have depression. And people say, well, maybe that's just because you know, you'd be depressed too if you saw what was uh, happening with your life trajectory. But actually, these things may actually be really, really tied uh, together. And I think getting to the breakthrough is to really understand how the brain works and being able to tie it all together could make a gigantic difference as big as some of these other areas like infectious disease that can make a huge difference in how uh, on well-being for people. Well, we're, there's no question we're learning a lot more about um, about how irrational we are, all of us are every day, not just you, David, and through beha- the, the integration of psychology and economics and behavioral economics. Um, but what's remarkable and what a lot of folks don't realize is we still don't really know at a discrete level how the brain works, how thoughts are formed, um, and how some of these crippling diseases, we can stop them, some cases with drugs, or slow them and change them with with cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, we can use your robots uh, to help uh, slow or limit or teach people skills around that. But if we could really understand how the brain works, I, I do think you'd have far more effectiveness of targeted therapy, and you wouldn't have what, what's going on right now, which is we have to test a drug and hope that it works. John, we haven't made it to 100 years yet, but we have made it to 100 episodes. So what's your prediction about what we'll be talking about on our 150th episode, should we be so fortunate as to make it that far? I think the radical changes in technology will be a good topic. Synthetic biology, the hardware that you're going to put behind your ear, um, and some of the the, the the emerging science in extending life would all be great topics. You know, David, we're going to be able to grow new organs for you with synthetic biology. Think about that. So John, I say 50 episodes from now, it's like a year from now. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with my original position. I'm going to call it 2022, a little more the same. 2022 radical change. Well, that's it for yet another episode of Care Talk, our 100th episode. And thank you so much to our listeners for coming along on this ride with us. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of Carecentrics. If you like what you heard or didn't, Please leave a note and we would love you to subscribe.